Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now, for our podcast teaching. Well, like I said, we are in Matthew chapter 5, and we are going to focus in on verse 13 today. Um, So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out and read along with me. Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. Now, if you remember, as we started this series in Matthew chapter 5, starting off in verses 1 and 2, it says that He sat His disciples down on the mountainside and He began to teach them. So, who is Jesus speaking to as He's addressing the salt of the earth? He's addressing His disciples, His followers, those who have committed their life and their lifestyle to the teaching of Him as rabbi. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it become salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. Let's take a second real quick and talk about the first part of this verse. Remember, in everything that we do, I like to break things down in edible chunks for us. What does salt do for food? Let's, let's just take this out right here. I know that some of y'all can't have too much of this because your doctors say it's a no-no. But what does this do to food for you at home? You see that on the counter, and what do you automatically think? Flavor. So, salt flavors. Salt flavors. But there's two other things that salt does that are equally important that we've lost sight of in the world today. Salt not only flavors, it preserves and it purifies. It purifies and it preserves and it flavors. You see, in a flavorless world where everything kind of blends together, and if you're not acting like everybody else, the world looks at you and says, hey, fall in line. We are called to be the flavor. We're called to be the salt of the earth. But salt is useless if it just sits on the counter, right? If, if, if we have a big juicy steak and the person didn't salt it, and we see the salt on the counter just sitting there. Is it any use to us if we don't pick it up and use it? No. No. If it remains inside of its shaker, it's useless. You see, today, salt has lost some of its value in society than when Jesus was speaking these very words. In fact, in certain regions of the world today, salt still has a great value and still does a great many things just like it did as a precious commodity in Jesus' day. You see, people would travel hundreds of miles to salt mines. They would, they would dig into the earth's rocks and, and mountains to try to find just little layers of salt. They would, they would travel to these God-forsaken deserts to look for areas that had dried out so they could collect salt because salt was just something precious during that time. 
And they would trade it with almost equal value to gold in Jesus' time. In fact, when money was running low in Roman times, soldiers were paid with salt. That's how precious it was. In fact, that's where we get a saying today which is worth his wage in salt. It's talking about the sweat of the person's back, but it's also talking about the wages that used to be paid in Romans' times. Romans used to treat their vegetables with salt. They would take them and they would rub down the lettuce before they ate it. They would rub down the cucumbers. They would rub down the tomatoes and all the different things that they were eating. They would rub it down with salt in order to kill the parasites that were on the vegetables. And that's where we actually get our word salad from. Because it had a high solidity. So it was to clean. But not only that, you would seal an agreement with salt. So if if you came to terms of peace with someone, you'd actually have a moment where you exchange salt. And it was to say, just like this salt has lasted forever and will continue to last, this agreement, this peace agreement between us will be preserved just like salt. So it flavors, it purifies, and it preserves And Jesus is calling us to be salty. Not like we think today, oh, that person's salty, meaning he's angry. No, he's telling us to preserve, to flavor, to purify the earth with your representation of him on this earth. But salt isn't useful if it remains unused. Amen? And so what you need to do is start being used by him. And how do we do this? Well, I think Paul gives us the perfect example in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. He gives us a number one way that you can use what you have inside and share it out. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. And let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So Paul right here is just saying, hey look, there's a few things that you can do. You can take over the time that you have. You can use every opportunity to be doing good, to be living good, and to conduct good speech. Verse 5 calls Christians to show God's wisdom daily as they interact in society. He's saying to let your actions, let your very actions, let the way that you're living be seen. So when outsiders look at you, you're making the most of every opportunity. You're seizing every opportunity. There's an individual that was here, I remember a a few months back, they called me and apologized that they hadn't made it to church. And when I said why, I was thinking, oh, he was at the beach, they were playing hooky, they were doing something like that. Well, no, what it was is they had gone into the gas station for gas, and somebody that was there had a flat tire, and they spent the time that they would have been here in church helping that individual replace their tire. 
that seasoning with salt, that is taking advantage of that opportunity. And as they were doing it, they were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because the person was so upset and so, uh, you know, just no one's helped me, no one's done anything. Why in Miami are you the only one doing this? And they said, well, because of what Jesus has done in my life. That's conducting yourself. That's walking in wisdom, as Paul says. It's doing all the good that you can in the proper season that you can, recommended for you to live out your faith in action. The verb here, exergamenio, is a phrase that means make the most of opportunity. It literally means to buy out. It means you go to the store and there's an amazing deal that you're just going to go ahead and take all of it while it's there. You know, the other day I went to Publix because, you know, it's ice cream Sunday today. Every Sunday at my house we have ice cream Sunday, And we love the Publix uh, Greenwise. They have this chocolate truffle. And as I'm saying this, I'm like drooling in my mouth. And their cookies and cream is just ridiculously good. And so we get the two of those and we mix them together and and it's just an amazing combination of ice cream and all of you are going to probably drive out of here and buy ice cream now. That's not the purpose of what I was saying it for. But yesterday I went to the store because I was like, hey, you know what, we're out of ice cream, Meg. We just came back from our trip. We went and saw my mom for her birthday and then we saw Chip for his birthday and, you know, it was a great time, but we had no ice cream inside of the fridge, so I go ahead and I go to Publix to get ice cream, and it was on sale, so I'm like, oh, praise God, this is meant to be, and I go there fully anticipating to buy my ice cream, but somebody had bought all of it because of the great deal. And that's what it's talking about in this passage, is to buy it completely while you have the opportunity and it's presenting itself. Don't walk away from the opportunity that just presented itself and say, oh, I should have. Oh man, I should have stopped and helped that person. Oh, you know what? I should have given them a track. Oh, I should have let them know about Jesus. You buy the opportunity while you have the opportunity available. That's what this phrase, make the most of every opportunity, means. To buy out and purchase it completely. And how do we do that? Part of that is with our speech, which is where Paul goes into verse 6. He says, let your speech always be with grace. So you're learning how to walk and you're learning how to act. That's part of the the first half of that verse, verse 5. And then he says, and then let your speech be seasoned with salt. Emphasis on the importance of how we should communicate with this world. Let your speech always be with grace as though it was seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. In other words, he's saying be full of grace in the way that you communicate with people even when they cut you off on the turnpike. Even when they roll through the stop and you, and you, and you were, had the right of way and all those different things, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Before we can make disciples, brothers and sisters, before we can share the good news of Jesus Christ, we need to make friends and build a rapport and 
take advantage of the opportunities that we have with those individuals. Salt is no good if it's sitting there on the counter or on the table not being used. So we need to sprinkle salt in every opportunity that we have. Flavor our life so people look at our lives and say, Jesus has to be the difference that is making in their life. Amen? That means give it flavor to preserve. Use every opportunity to share Jesus with that person because you never know when that's the last time you will see that person. Part of the right flavoring consists of suiting your conversation to the individual, doesn't it? You know, there is an old thing, apparently, that I, I don't know, I, I haven't ever been able to confirm this in all the years I've heard this story. But there's a story that Henry Ford, before he hired somebody who would take them to lunch, and on the table, there would sit the salt and pepper. And if somebody went ahead and salted their food before trying it, he wouldn't hire them. Because how can you perfect something that you haven't even tried out? And that's what Scripture is literally letting us know in this opportunity, is that we need to know how to flavor in every opportunity. We can't be uh, just rushing into it. We need to go ahead and sprinkle it sometimes. Sometimes we just need to load it on. When somebody is sick and dying, that's not the, the moment to say, hey, you know what, in two weeks I'll be back to share Christ with you. We need to throw it on in that opportunity. You see, there's every moment we need to know how we should talk in every moment. We need to know how we need to season. We need to know how we need to be answering people because they are looking at our lives. And so that's why also Paul says, let your walk be there with it. We need to preserve people with the message of salvation by grace through faith, not of works. Amen? We need to purify by encouraging and lifting up our brothers and sisters. We need to spur each other on to good works. That's purifying one another. That's encouraging one another. We need to flavor this world with a life well lived. A life of glorious service to our Savior. Committed to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's what this passage is talking about. Colossians 5 and 4, 5 and 6. Conduct yourselves. So let's do it. Let's conduct. Let's start living. Let's start walking. And then let your speech have that flavor. Amen? Be flavorful because you are the salt of the earth. So preserve, purify, and flavor in your speech, your actions, and your lifestyle. That's what Jesus had in mind when He was talking about us being the salt of the earth. Because Jesus looked at you and me and the rest of this world and He said they're worth saving. Even with all the vileness that's going on in this world, He looked at this world and He said, it is worth redeeming and dying for. My professor told me a story um, years ago. This is when I was in Bible college. He had a story that when he got married, their tradition was they would hide a fish somewhere inside of the car on the way to a honeymoon. So the, the tradition was they would take a, a dead fish, 
they would tie it up in a bag or something like that and they would throw it inside the trunk. So as they were driving along, you smelt something horrible, you stopped and you, you know, laughed and threw it out. Well, when he got married, what they ended up doing is they took the fish and they put them in the hubcaps of his car. So they really went above and beyond for hiding. And this is those old type cars where really you didn't have good AC, so most of the time you, you know, drove with the windows down. So he said he's driving in, 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 he got married in Fort Lauderdale, he got married in Fort Lauderdale, nice and hot, blazing hot, just like Miami, and he's driving around Florida, and they are just smelling this horrible smell. It was for a few days, just this horrible smell, and then after a week, it literally smelled like somebody had vomited all over their car, and any time they were driving, they actually had to keep the windows up, and him and his poor new bride were just sweating bullets inside the car because there was no AC, but if they rolled down the windows, the putrid smell of the dead fish would come inside of their car, so finally, he's just going everywhere trying to figure out what's going on, and he pulls into a gas station back when they had the um, non-self-serve. You actually pulled up and somebody would wait on you. Pulled into a gas station. The guy goes to check his tires. He goes, man, your tires reek. And that's where things clicked. He pulled off the hubcaps. And sure enough, there was some nasty, putrid, fried fish at that time inside of his hubcaps. You see, back in Jesus' days... Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, being fishermen, they would have known what needs to be done after you catch a fish. Number one, you don't put it in somebody's hubcaps. Obviously, we know that. But in order to go ahead and have this set of fish that you could sell for a long time, what you'd do is you would actually take salt that had been mined locally most of the time, and you'd rub down all the, all the fish with salt, both sides, and then you'd spread it out on nets on the seashore so that it could bake. And the air moving under the nets and over the nets with the extreme heat of that area, that dry heat, would preserve the fish through the salt that you had just rubbed it down with. So even though they had caught all that fish, the work had not been done until that had taken place. Because then you're ready to go and take that dried, preserved, flavored fish into market once it had fully dried out. Today we don't use that because we have ice in refrigerators, right? So when Jesus said, be salt, they knew exactly what he was talking about. He was saying, I want you to preserve this world just like you rub down the fish to preserve it. I want you to rub down this world with the message of Jesus Christ, with the good news that Jesus died on the cross for the entire world. Amen? Brothers and sisters, that's the task that we've been given to do. He wants preservation. He wants purity. And He wants flavor. Not a putrid fish inside of a hubcap. We're here for a purpose, brothers and sisters. And you know what that purpose is? Go back to Matthew chapter 5. Read it with me. You are the salt of the earth. Stop right there. What is your purpose? To be salt. The second part of this verse confuses a lot of people, and we're going to get into that. 
but it's just as important to explaining this passage. He says, if salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under the foot of men. The word tasteless here is the word meriano in the Greek, and it is literally a word that we get our word moron from. You know when we tell somebody to quit being a moron? And it literally has just about the same meaning as it did then. It literally means to become foolish, or to be mixed up, or to become tainted or useless. So if salt gets mixed up, it's not good anymore. If salt becomes tainted, or it becomes foolish in the way that it has been in its presentation. So let me ask you guys this. Have you ever salted something, and and maybe you're doing it over the stove, and you began to salt and you see that just come out right there? That, that's good. That means this is a good shaker. You start to salt, right? And just as you're doing that, steam comes up. And what ends up happening to your salt shaker? It gets clogged. Why? Because it's just become tainted. It's become Mordiano. It's become tainted by water that has thickened it up. And now you can't use it properly. You can't rub down stuff. You can't add the flavor properly. You can't do the things that you should be doing because water got into the shaker. If salt loses saltiness, it doesn't mean that it is no longer salt, does it? If, if salt, literally, if this salt that's inside here gets full of water, does that mean it's no longer salt? Does that mean that it's lost its elements? Does that mean that, you know, somehow through this nuclear fission, that, you know, we've just been able to figure out the way to break salt into its basic forms? No. You're not going to look at that and say that's no longer salt. You're going to say, man, that salt's useless. I'm just going to toss it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying, hey, look, you've become... A, a, you've, you've lost your salvation. He's not saying that at all in this passage. Some people think that this passage is saying that you've lost your salvation. He's not saying that at all. He doesn't say that the salt is no longer salt. He says that the salt has become useless because it's not living out its purpose. He's talking to you and me. And He's saying live your purpose. So how can salt become salty again? That's what he's saying. Hey, Jesus asked the question, and we should all know the answer to it. How can salt become salty again? You start doing the things that salt is meant to do. You purify, you flavor, and you preserve. You see, salt has a job, and when it doesn't live by its job, then it's lost its purpose and its task that it needs to do. Church, we have a task, we have a job, and we have a purpose. And we need to do it. Amen? Jesus uses the same thoughts in verses 14 down to 16 when He says that you can't light a lamp and just hide it under a bushel. He says, hey look, you are the light of the world. And He's basically taking the same thought from verse 13 into 14 through 16. And He says, no one lights it and puts it under a bushel. No, what do you do? You make sure that there's extra oil inside of that lamp. You purify the wick and take off the extra junk that's on top of it. And you don't light it and hide it in a dark place where it's useless to anybody. No, because what is the purpose of a light? 
It's to be held high so everybody can see inside of the house. Church, don't hide your flavor. Just like we don't hide our light. Because the same that's true for light is the same that's true for salt. The way to be salty is to do what you're designed to do and your purpose to do, created to do. Be salt. Purify, preserve, and flavor at work. At home with your, with your spouse, with your kids. Make sure that your life, your speech, and everything is pure, is preserving, is flavoring with your friends. Brothers and sisters, we're called to be the salt of the earth. And that literally means in every moment, in every opportunity, that we are buying the stuff off the shelves that's available to us. Season your life and your world. Purify your lifestyle. And preserve with the message that's full of grace. Amen? Listen, salt without flavor is still salt. A candle or a lamp that's, that's not lit is still really a light, isn't it? But what has happened? They've lost their function. They're useless. They're being moreno. They aren't living their purpose. Doesn't that sound very familiar? Not the beeping sound. I'm saying, doesn't this sound very familiar? Somebody's on life support. They're doing really well, so don't worry. James chapter 2, verse 17. Go ahead and turn there with me, if you will. James chapter 2, verse 17. We're going to see the very familiar words that Jesus is sharing right here in James chapter 2, verse 17. James, the brother of Jesus, who eventually became a disciple of his, he says these words right here in verse 17. He says, Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. Listen, works is a function of faith, isn't it? It's, it's what you do. When you have faith, you, you go and you try to live out that faith. Just as though you have salt, what are you going to do? You're going to use that salt. If you have a light, you're going to use that light, right? You guys following? Remember, James was written by Jesus' brother, or half-brother, who later would become a disciple and a follower. And so he wrote these words with Jesus' words in mind. The words that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, He's writing these words. Dead doesn't mean that it never existed, does it? Faith without works is dead? Does that mean that the faith never existed? No. When we bury somebody, do we ever say, you know, hey, we're gathered here today, brothers and sisters, for this person that never existed. And we're very glad that he never existed and we're putting him... No. No, we never do that. We don't say that it never existed. What do we do? We're saying that it's been separated from. It's been separated from. When your car battery dies, does that mean that it's no longer a car battery? Or does it mean that it's in need of a jump? And what James is saying is, hey, you want to jumpstart your dead battery of life? Of faith? You better get to work. Works keep your personal faith, your walk with Jesus Christ vibrant. No one ever goes to a funeral and says, I'm glad this person never existed. You know, we grew up with him never existing. No, you don't act that way. You talk about the good times. 
You try to remember the good times and you forget the bad times. Friends, a lamp is still a lamp even when it's not lit. Salt is still a salt even when it's lost its saltiness. A bulb, we don't go ahead and when one of these things go out, we don't say this bulb never was. We just say that bulb went out. A believer is still a believer even when their faith, their personal faith has died. They're just no longer fulfilling their purpose in Jesus Christ. And what happens when our bulb at home burns out? When salt has no flavor, what do you do? Do you save it? Do you guys save it? My abuela used to do that, but my abuela had some really crazy thoughts on things, okay? (laughs) Amazing woman, did some really crazy, I mean, she could grow just about anything from anything. It was like you'd take a leaf and she's just grown a tree. I mean, you know. But she would save burnt out light bulbs. She grew up in a time in Colombia where they had very little, and so you saved just about everything. I don't know why she saved the light bulbs, but sometimes she would. Burnt out. I remember when when we were moving her from her house to our house, we had to check every light bulb because she had boxes of light bulbs that had already burnt out. And you don't save a burnt out light bulb. When salt has been tainted, You throw it out, don't you? You don't save it. You don't put that salt back in the pantry. You toss it out because it's no longer fulfilling its purpose. That doesn't mean that the believer is going to be tossed out of heaven. What that's talking about is Jesus is going to move from that person to another person to fulfill his purpose here on earth. Friends, Jesus will not take away your salvation and he's not going to stop loving you I mean, he died for you. Think about that. He's not going to stop being your Savior, but if you grow cold in your walk, if your faith dies and you lose flavor as the salt of the earth, he's going to move to the next person willing to do the work, willing to preserve, willing to flavor, willing to purify. If I quit doing my work as the pastor here of this church, that doesn't mean he's just going to have me up here dead. It means he's going to move on to the next guy willing to do the work. Amen? In other words, if you are following him and open to being used for his work, he's going to put you on the table for use. You're going to be that active shaker. He's going to multiply your efforts just because you're trying your everything to stay salty and useful to Him. Amen? You can't preserve meat in the pantry if you just leave that in the pantry all the time, can you? That T-bone steak that you just prepared is not going to have the correct flavor if you just leave this inside the shaker. So get out there and live, talk, walk, and live for Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to end in these thoughts from Matthew chapter 5. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. Let's read verse 13 again all the way through, and then we're going to go ahead and end with verse 16, the latter half. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. Back when I used to live in Michigan, that's what you used to do on the snow to gain traction. You toss out salt. So it's still doing something, but not the purpose that it was designed for. Verse 16, second half. Jesus says, Shine in such a way that men may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Why are you made to be salt of the earth? So that men may see your works, your actions, hear your speech, and praise your Father above. Amen? Amen. So let's be the salt of the earth, brothers and sisters. Let's live that light. And let's preserve, purify, and flavor. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.